0: You can also find us on the web at VineyardBrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I find it amazing that he was able to do all those things and sing at the same time. I'm one of those, I I can't do more than one thing at, at... at the same time, and and so the cor- the level of coordination that it took, I think, for Mister Rogers to pull off changing his wardrobe and then starting his show, I, I, I'm I'm a fan. So, um, in case you didn't know, that was the intro from the children's television show Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. It ran on PBS from 1968 to 2001. Four years after. Fred Rogers passed away in 1997. It's the longest running TV running children's TV series in television history. And a documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor was released in 2018 focusing on the life and the work of Fred Rogers. Now you might be wondering, okay Joel, why did you show us Mr. Rogers on a Sunday morning? Well, I'll be glad to tell you, this past Thursday, May the 23rd, was recognized as 143 Day in Mr. Rogers' home state of Pennsylvania. And I want to read you the article that appeared in the Pittsburgh Tribune on Thursday this past week. What might be your act of kindness today? Governor Tim Wolfe encouraged residents to participate in an act of kindness for 143 Day, a day honoring Pennsylvania's kindest native son, Fred Rogers. May 23rd is the 143rd day of the year. Mr. Wolfe said, I'm challenging all Pennsylvanians to use Thursday to exhibit the type of neighborly kindness Fred Rogers sought to spread around the world. Wolf said in the statement, Pennsylvania is a commonwealth rooted in kindness and generosity, and this is our day to show the world the positive impact that neighborliness can have. Rogers is best known as Mr. Rogers from his beloved television series on WQED-TV, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He regularly used the numbers 143 as a way of saying, I love you throughout his life. He referred to the numbers of of letters in the word. So for I, number one, love, number four, and you, number three. And the article goes on to outline the activities that were planned across the city and the state as part of 143-365 day, a day for doing good. Well, I'm continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark today and I've titled my message, Do Good. And Notice the... Don't you love that, that mural? I think that's one of the neatest editions in downtown. Well, if you recall, the last few weeks of our series have been about Jesus responding to critics. The religious leaders were busy enforcing the rules that were associated with their religion. Like how often a person fasted and what they fasted from and whether or not they did work on the Sabbath. And all the while, Jesus was performing one miracle after another, demonstrating the availability of the kingdom of God to everyone. And the crowds that had been following Jesus for these past several weeks were now beginning to ask a question. Could Jesus be the Messiah? Is He the one we've been waiting for? I mean, if He's not the one, then whoever comes along after Him has got a a tall order to fill. Well, the response of the religious leaders... Was a furious one. Who does this Jesus think he is? They tried to dismiss him as as a a charlatan or as, as a miracle worker, a wonder worker, and went after him on the basis that his miracles were work, that he was actually working, which was a violation of the Sabbath. And all good Jews knew you don't work on the Sabbath. And it's almost as if they thought that if, they, if Jesus got in enough trouble with them, then maybe He'd just quit. You know, because they were the authority. So they thought, and so if Jesus got in trouble with them, then maybe He'd just go away. And in case you, we haven't noticed by now, most of Jesus' miracles ended up happening on the Sabbath. And, you know, I was thinking about that. It's like, well, I guess if, if, if Jesus didn't want any trouble, then He would have tried to heal everybody on a different day. But when you think about what happened in Jewish society, when it was the Sabbath, everyone went to the synagogue. That was what they did. That was where everybody gathered together, and and this was like the community center. And so everyone would come in on the Sabbath, and they would offer their sacrifices, and they they would do their worship, and they they would meet together with friends and with family. So it would just make sense that that's what Jesus and the disciples did too. And so He's doing these miracles right here where everybody is, right out in front of everybody, and they're seeing this demonstration of the kingdom of God, the inbreaking of the power and the working of the Spirit, and it's making a difference at least in terms of people and their attitudes towards who Jesus is. Now as we saw last week, Jesus was talking about the Sabbath. Sabbath. And in a way to reclaim what the Sabbath was supposed to be, he declared to his critics that I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath doesn't serve, its purpose is to serve people, not for people to serve the Sabbath. And as the Son of Man, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. This is my day. This is the Lord's day. Well, as we'll see later on, Jesus will also seek to claim, reclaim the temple as the Lord's house. If you remember, and we'll see this in a few weeks, that Jesus went into the temple and there the money changers were there, and, and you know, the merchants were there, they're selling their stuff, and Jesus goes in and starts turning the tables over. And the reason for doing that, he said, was God's house is to be a house of prayer, a house of worship, not a marketplace. So in the same way that that He reclaimed the house of God and its purpose for the people, He was also reclaiming the Lord's day, the Sabbath, as being the Lord's. And it didn't belong to the religious leaders. Well, our text today, Jesus was establishing a precedent. And creating an expectation that God's people could expect to encounter God when they come together in His house. And all these rules and these regulations about whether you 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 worked or, or what you did in order to get there that morning or whatever, they were just getting in the way of people experiencing God's presence and allowing them to worship God on the Lord's day. And it had to change. So, with that, I want to look at Mark chapter 3. We're finally out of Mark chapter 2. And here's this story about a man with a deformed hand. Verse 1 Jesus went into the synagogue and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies and notice the change there, it's not just critics anymore, it's enemies, watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily, and he was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. And then verse 6 says, At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod, how to, 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 Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. And this is on the Sabbath. Anyway. Now, I, I think we all recognize that health care in the first century was quite different from what we experience here in modern day America. I mean, that's the understatement of the morning, right? There were no antibiotics. There were no medications. And there were some pretty serious diseases that people had to live with and had to try to avoid catching because if they caught them, it was like a death sentence. We're talking about stuff like smallpox, chickenpox, yellow fever, Typhoid fever, typhus, and influenza. I mean, all these diseases have practically been eradicated, at least here in the Western Hemisphere, because of antibiotics and medications. So we don't have to worry about these things. We don't have to worry about the implications of catching one of these diseases. But in the first century, it was a very serious issue. Well, in addition to a disease, childbirth was among the leading causes of death among women and children. There were no C-section procedures. No ultrasound, no epidural or spinal anesthetic. No fancy contraptions to aid women during their delivery. And consequently, if a baby was injured during delivery their injuries often became deformities. Sometimes severe. And children born with these deformities lived with them their entire lives. And the man in our passage this morning was likely such a person. Now Scripture doesn't tell us when his hand was deformed. Most likely it was from birth. And because of his deformity, the man likely could not work and was left to be a beggar. Because in order to work, you have to have two good hands. Now, human nature being what it is, we often try to avoid beggars, don't we? If you've been to Houston any time recently... You've probably seen someone whenever you stop at the red light who's got a sign or who's got a bucket with a squeegee in it and wants to wash your windshield with dirty water. You know what I'm talking about. Well, if you happen to be on the left side, you're customer number one. And so what do you do whenever that person approaches your car? You start fiddling with the radio, you know, you start looking at your phone, you start reaching around in your car because you don't want to make eye contact, right? Same thing goes like whenever you go to Mexico. It's been 25 years ago since I went to Mexico. And of course, there's these kids that are running around in the street and they're dirty. They don't have shoes on. they, They just look really awful. And, you know, they, they recognize Americans and so they come and they start asking for money or asking for food and and you know i'm I, i'm I'm a big teddy bear when it comes to kids and Danelle the whole time we were walking down the street, she's like, "Put your hands in your pockets don't d- don't don't make eye contact don't don't look at those kids because you're going to want to help them and I know it sounds awful but but that's that's the thing you know when we're dealing with Beggars. When we deal with people who are needy and they're and, and they're asking for stuff and you know and we understand that, you know, if I just give this guy money, he's probably just gonna run down the street and go to the liquor store and get an eighty five cent tall boy, you know, and you know, and you don't want to wanna contribute to their their habit, you know, that's why they're they're out there on the street anyway. So what, what we what we tend to do is we ignore them. Well, there's something that happens to the the person who is actually in need. Cuz there are some who are on the street because of of whatever reason, maybe maybe they're they're not quite in their right mind, and and maybe they've they've chosen to live this kind of lifestyle, but there are those who are actually there because they they've they've hit the bottom and they don't have a way out. And those that are that are the neediest are the ones that that get hurt the most because what happens when you ignore somebody? It's like they're invisible. They're irrelevant. You just walk right on past them and you know and they, they may truly be in need but you don't see their need and you walk on by and 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 as a result they they're hurt because they're not seen. And they experience rejection. Well, Mark says in our chapter that Jesus noticed this man when he walked into the synagogue. Well, Jesus' critics noticed that Jesus noticed this man. And these are the guys who have been criticizing Jesus at every turn. Last week, the disciples are walking through a field, and they noticed that one of the disciples just happened to pick just a few heads of grain to eat while they were walking through. And it didn't matter whether that was, that was right or wrong. It was the fact that they did it on the, on the Sabbath, and they were the rule keepers. And so it was, okay, you've just broken the Sabbath, you and your disciples, your lawbreakers. Well, this same criticism is following Jesus into the synagogue. And so this man whom Jesus noticed having this deformed hand suddenly becomes bait. And the, the critics, the enemies of Jesus, the Pharisees, they were waiting to see what Jesus would do on the Sabbath for this man with a deformed hand. And this poor guy didn't know what was going on. He had no idea that he was being used this way. But Jesus knew what His his critics were doing. He knew what His enemies were doing. He knew what these, these leaders were doing. And so He took the bait. And we saw last week that Jesus addressed the purpose of the Sabbath. And He did so quite capably. He told the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man. And human need is greater than your meaningless rituals and your silly traditions. But He was speaking to people with hard hearts. This time to make His point, Jesus brought the man with the deformed hand right out in front of everyone to demonstrate what the Sabbath was all about. And that was doing good for everyone. And Jesus made his point by asking his critics a rhetorical question. Now, I think we all understand a rhetorical question. The answer is quite obvious. You know, and, and, and yes, you can answer that question, but but it's supposed to be the obvious answer. And so he asked his critics, his enemies, this question: Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? Well, again, as with rhetorical questions, the answer is obvious. And in this case, Jesus' questions were like a spotlight illuminating the hypocrisy of His critics. They were jealous of Jesus and the good things that He was doing. And because of their hypocrisy, they made themselves irrelevant in regard to meeting people's personal needs. Well, in the words of T.W. Manson, this this is a guy, he was a commentator in one of the commentaries that I have. T. W. Manson was an English scholar, a pastor, and a college professor. And he had a couple of comments, and I just wanted to read those for you here this morning. The first one was, the will of God is served better by saving or serving or restoring to health a life rather than plotting to kill, which the Pharisees... We're actually doing. Now you, we we saw in verse six that they actually went out and actively plotted with Herod's guards how to how to how to kill Jesus. They, they, we got to get this guy out of the way. He, he's he's messed up our, our playground, and so we've got to we, we've got to we've got to do something about him. And if you look there, it was exactly what was going on. They were plotting to kill Jesus on the Sabbath, and He called them out on it. Well, Manson continues, There also may be a hint here of Jesus' mission to destroy the works of Satan. Disease and disfigurement are ultimately Satan's works, and Jesus came to destroy these. And since evil works seven days a week, the warfare against Satan must go on on the Sabbath as well as the other six days. Well, Mark says that Jesus' critics were silent, which made Him angry and sad all at the same time. They wouldn't admit in this moment, whenever Jesus called them out, what they were doing. But Jesus knew His purpose... And what he was there to accomplish. And so he told the man to stretch out his hand. And the deformity was gone. And for the first time, this man who was born with just one good hand, he had two. And just as Jesus predicted his enemies went out and began to conspire to kill him. Now in the book of Acts, the apostle Peter said to men who were coming to faith in Jesus, you know know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is the legacy that Jesus gave to the church. That we can do good in Jesus' name. And it's not just a matter of of just trying to do good things, but actually be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things that are not humanly possible to do. Well, as a result, Jesus' job has now become ours. He sent us His Spirit and empowered us to do the things He did. Just as He told His disciples in the Gospel of Matthew. Also chapter 10, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. And these are our marching orders. This is what we've been called to do. it kind of almost begs the question, do we believe that in Jesus we can do all these things? I mean, that's where it comes, where the rubber meets the road. We can talk about it. You know, we can talk about how Jesus healed. We can talk about how the apostles healed. And we can talk about how, you know, that, that we've been empowered. But if we don't actually step out and try to do it? What's the point? This past week, I was asked to, to come and do devotions at, at the, the cannery kitchen. They they have their breakfast each each, each morning, and, and I was invited to come and, and, and give the devotion on Thursday. And so I was kind of working on this, and, and I, I was just really getting started, and I had just felt like at the end that I I want to I want to see if see how many will let us let us pray, you know for for healing. And so I asked, you know, is there anybody here Do you need you need healing? And and there were there were two people who raised their hands. There was a guy that was up close, and there was a lady in the back. Well, um, I I asked them if they would stand up, and the guy that was he was up close to me couldn't get out of his chair. He. Pulled something in his back. He had a pinched nerve or something. And, and I could tell that he was in a great deal of pain because he, he was going to try to get up. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no don't do that. Just, just stay in your seat. We'll come to you. And so we, we prayed for this guy. And you know, and I am I'm I'm kind of in this thing right now. I think I told you all a few weeks ago I've been I felt like the Lord was telling me, you know, we've got to get back to our roots in terms of you know what we believe and why we believe and and you know and and so so there's been a lot of stuff going on around that. And so so anyway, we go over and and I've got everybody gathered around him, and it's okay we'll you know try to do like like Wimber did, you know, just just Lord heal this person. Well he prayed a little bit and asked him how he was doing and it was like still the same. You could tell he was just kind of, yeah, you know, I'm still hurting. And it was really uncomfortable. So we prayed again. And, and it was really funny because I, I, I looked at the guy and I was like, so how do, you, how do you feel? And his eyes got real big and he was like, I'm feeling a lot better. And then he got up and then he proceeded to tell me, I, I haven't been able to work all week because what I did over the weekend prevented me from being able to even stand up for more than five minutes. Wow. And then there was another lady and we prayed with her and you know, but but it, it was for me it was kind of dramatic. I mean, when you're talking about something that like a nerve or something like that, that's not something that just it gets better on its own. Sometimes it takes a long time. But it happened while we were praying for this man. And, and he, he, where he was, was kind of hobbling when he, when he came in, he walked out and I think he went on to work. So, why am I talking about all this stuff? Well, first of all, I, I, I believe that we've been called to do what Jesus did. To heal the sick. To raise the dead, even. And that's that, that part's a little scary. You know, casting out demons. Oh man, I, 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 that's really scary. But that's what we've been called to do. That was that's what Jesus told his disciples. As you have received, freely give. And, you know, a lot of us we we, we kind of like the fact that, you know, well, I've received, I, I've got my ticket punched. I'm right with the Lord. And so if things are good with me, but we have people all around us all the time that need what we have to offer. I've been really energized by by Alpha, and I've been really energized since we've since we went to the park. And, and I, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to keep doing stuff like this because I I, I feel like, you know, and, and this was also a Wimberism, the, the meats in the street. And you know, we look around, it's like, well, why isn't anything happening? Well maybe we need to go outside the walls and and start doing a little bit of what Jesus called us to do. So anyway, let's all stand.